You're listening to the Traffic and Funnel Show. Hey guys, this is Alan, producer of the TNF Show. In today's episode, Chris and Taylor chat with Brandon Hall of the Staying Power Podcast. They talk scaling a business, building a good partnership, and entrepreneurial burnout. If you haven't yet, visit trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe to get a free gift from us and also get access to special deals on our next level paid products. Let's get to it. Yeah, so back in 2015, I was riding down the road and I saw this guy in a cardboard box and uh, I was like, you know what, man, this guy, I felt really sorry for him and uh, ended up pulling over and he was homeless living in a cardboard box. And that's the other guy that you see on the screen with me, Taylor Welch. And so I picked him up and I took him in. I took him under my wing. Brandon thought you were serious. Brandon was like, oh, wow, he's going right in. Well, this is a great this story. story. I poured into him, and uh, I said, "You know, let's let's start a business together." No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's how you treat your partner. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's how you that's how you find the best business partners. No, we actually met in a Facebook group, and um, the true story is we were in a, this Facebook mastermind. It was actually a paid mastermind, and I had been running big launches for clients and running paid acquisition campaigns and, and, and building infrastructure for these launches, information launches. And, and Taylor was writing copy and building funnels for people. We met in this group and I saw some interesting stuff that he was doing. I was like, man, I want to, I want to check out more of what he's doing. So we ended up connecting and saw that we had mutual friends, like close friends of mine. And we just started talking a lot and just found out that we had similar backgrounds and, and kind of the same values. And uh, this was over a, a period of several months Taylor was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. And we thought maybe we should look at starting a business together. And um, that's kind of how Traffic and Funnels, which is now actually gotten to a place where it's outgrowing us as the, the founders and owners with the team and stuff that we have. But that's kind of our quick snapshot of us meeting and then starting Traffic and Funnels. It wasn't actually me pulling him out of the gutter. Maybe sort of a little bit. You know, he might have lacked some confidence, but... No, and they are they are regretting having both of us on at the same time right now. You can see it in their faces. They're like, "Oh shoot, what are we get ourselves forty minutes of this?" <laughs> well, why decide to partner and start traffic and funnels? Like, what led you to that? Why not just do your own thing? I mean, it, we went back and forth on it. Like, we didn't. I don't think we. You know, at first I wanted to partner, and then I didn't want to partner. And same with Chris. You know, at first he didn't, then he changed his mind. I think we were sharing clients back and forth because we served the opposite sides of the coin. You know, Chris with advertising and me with funnels and copywriting. And we just wanted to try it out. And I think that that's actually ironically been a testament to an extent to our journey thus far, even today, where there's like, we don't put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like we just, let's try salesman door. Let's try wealth cap. Let's just try this out. Let's see what will work. I think a lot of people have this, I have to make this or else I'm a failure. And from the very beginning, Chris was like, let's just try it. Let's just see how it goes. And we tried it and it obviously worked out great. So now we do four or five businesses that are all thriving and we still have that same ethos. Let's just be a service. Let's just try it out. Let's see if we can be valuable here to somebody somewhere. And uh, we're very open-handed even today with what we do and what we don't do. Yeah. One thing that was really stood out to me because I had partnerships before that didn't really work out that well is... I knew my work ethic, but then getting in and seeing Taylor's work ethic, 
was, was higher. Thing. Was, was higher than Chris's. He's like, wow. I found out he was able to actually keep up with me and, and how much I, I pushed. No, but that was, that was important because the first days, weeks, months of traveling funnels, I was really overloaded with client work. My work ethic was, I'd say, pretty intense to a place that it was actually unhealthy back in the day. But then seeing Taylor coming up and just really pushing hard on pushing the business forward. And he was a lot of the driving force in us getting rolling. Me seeing that was like, man, I think this could really work long-term. And here we are four and a half years later, almost five years later. Yeah. So you mentioned that you saw his work ethic and it sounds like that kind of helped seal the deal. Did you have any conversations about how much do you want to make money-wise? Where do you want to scale the business before you locked in the partnership? Because I, I think that, you know, I, at least in the CPA world, I, I'm in a couple CPA groups and I think what happens is they bring on partners who say, oh yeah, I want to make half a million dollars. But as time goes on, they realize, uh, you know, 300K is actually fine. And I don't want to put in the extra effort to make the 500 or the 750. So you have one partner that wants to make a million, one partner that says they want to make 750, but ends up being fine with 300. Did you have any sort of those conversations about where do you want your life to be? How much money do you want to make? And how did that kind of help you guys? Yeah, there's the a there's probably a screenshot that's rolling around the internet. It's actually a screenshot of our our Skype conversation. And I think it must have been me asking Taylor or vice versa. I don't remember, but it's like, dude, do you think we could do 20 grand a month in revenue? Like that was it. That was like the kind of like the dream. I would say for me, at least, I didn't have a lot of bigger vision than that. And it was just it's interesting looking back at that. And within about, I don't know, Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like three months, we'd actually gotten the business to 127000 a month in revenue, or like a first full-time month of traveling funnels. So for me, it wasn't like this, some crazy vision of, dude, we're going to have a seven-figure business. It's going to be, you know, we're going to have Lamborghinis. And like, I just wanted to like have a healthy business and not kill myself, <laughs> So I don't know for Taylor if he had some crazy vision, but no, it's like the I thing that I, I think about. Neither one of us really, really did. But I think it is important to know if you're going to get into a partnership to know the other person's personality. And it was September 2015 that we started. And it was January 2016 that we really went full time. But I found out really early on that Chris was going to be the big thinker. And uh, so much so that it was going to make me uncomfortable. We had the opposite conversations many times where it was like, you know, we can make this business do a million dollars. And Chris was like, how about 10 million? And it was like, well, that's not, let's not be too hasty. You know, let's settle down. Even we talked a couple months ago and Chris is throwing out a figure for us on personal income. And I'm like, holy cow, dude, that's going to take us. He's like, by the end of this year, it's like, he's, he's a bigger thinker in a lot of ways. I think it's really important for partnerships if they do come together that there's something brought to the table by both parties that might be more difficult for the opposite member. Me and Chris, we don't necessarily contribute the same things at the same time. We contribute things that, you know, for Chris might be a little bit more difficult, for me might be a little bit easier, and then vice versa. I think it's important that you are aware of what the other person brings to the table personality-wise, skill set-wise, work ethic-wise, et cetera. That's probably a big reason why partnerships fail is they don't talk about those things. They don't talk about expectations. They just think it's fun. They see me and Chris are like, Oh, it's fun. Let's be like Taylor and Chris. And let me tell you, 
Well, we're talking Friday night, 1030. Cause it's always Chris that has an attitude and I'm having to like call him out. It's never me. You know, that's not fun. He can attest to that. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it. But it's, it's, it's effort, you know? Let me just back up for everybody who's listening right now. What does Traffic and Funnels do? And then Absolutely what are, nothing. And what, <laughs> what, what are each of your roles in the business? Traffic and Funnels is a consultancy. So we help people dial in their advertising, their marketing, their message to market. We help them build their fulfillment. It's turned into this powerhouse where people can come in really early on. And they can skip three, four, five, ten years of the journey through utilizing our team. Me and Chris don't necessarily have separate duties, so to speak. We more have, I think Chris is, this is the first time we're actually talking about this publicly. So feel free to chime in here, bro. But I think we have different lanes from a, what do we enjoy? Where are our pockets? And what I can look at over the last couple of years is my lane of enjoyment is just complete chaos and mayhem is fires burning everywhere. And I'm running through like Rambo with the loincloth, getting everybody <laughs> excited. And I'll typically be kind of the starter, you know, like it's a lot of energy, man. I'm just going to load myself up and bust through walls and get everything started. But then it's like a, a switch that's flipped and I just literally don't care about it anymore. And I'll just walk away. Whereas Chris is the optimizer, scaler, more of the long-term, what's the potential here? And so we see that a lot even inside of Sales Mentor. I started Sales Mentor and then I literally just decided to quit Sales Mentor because I didn't like it anymore. And he 10X'd it, you know, and same with Wealth Cap. That was like a, hey, I'm going to do this whether you, you know, I don't even care what you think about it. I'm just doing it. And then Chris comes in and, and is able to bring vision and stability and I think longevity to it. And so I think we separate out not based on duties, but more so based on just lanes and what level of energy do we want to give to it? Would you agree with that, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say our skill sets and everything is very complimentary where Taylor just has that fire and he just, he starts fires and I'm, I try to like control the burn. So we don't burn down the whole forest, but it's like, you know, controlled. Sounds like Taylor comes in. He's like, oh, I have this great idea. I want to start this thing. He goes and starts doing it. And then you come in and say, okay, well, now I have to kind of organize everything, put structure in place. Yes. Some of that, I think, like Taylor definitely has organization skills and, and structure skills. But his best gift, I think, is is starting and getting like the momentum rolling. My personality is is really, I lean towards just like, long-term like steady like this taylor's like a freaking rocket like hold on <laughs> the rock is being lit yeah it's like it's intense so well the tracking funnel specifically now i say that we're co-ceos and yeah. we're really advisors in the business we're, we're coaching our leaders and where we used to be developing the business now we're really focused on developing people that's the, the sweet spot we found in growing businesses. So traveling and funnels is actually, um, we've reduced our, the amount of time that we spend in that business because now we have a few other businesses as well in acquiring new businesses. So we've had to really figure out through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, emotional turmoil, a lot of money loss, how to become good leaders so that we can set this business up to where it can run without us. 
yes. being the, you know, the main show and, and having to control everything. So that was probably, I'd say for me, one of the biggest breakthroughs that's gotten us where the place where traveling funnels is a seven figure a month business, mostly running without us. So what does your team look like today at Traffic and Funnels? How many people do you have? Talk to us about that. I honestly don't know how many people we have on the team total. Uh, <laughs> ask is that, like, how many employees do you have? I don't know. It's like 50, maybe something like that. But we have a core leadership team that really handle the, the primary parts of the business. So operations, sales, marketing, and then our client success department. And those are the guys that we spend most of our time with. And then like, that's the beautiful thing is even when we get on calls with our clients, so our mastermind, we get on there once or twice a month and they ask us questions about the business that we don't know because we have other people that are trusted people in their position that are running it. Like they are the CEO of that area of the business and they're growing it without us. Like they're developing it without us because they have become great leaders and they have our ethos and, and understand our concepts and principles. So it's almost like we're just duplicating ourselves over and over. And honestly, man, I don't know. I'd have to ask our COO how many people we have. But it's a great thing to have. And I'd say most entrepreneurs, at least people that I come in contact with, they haven't experienced that level of freedom in their business. right? Because so many people, they want to control everything. So it sounds like in a matter of five years, you've scaled to a million dollars a month, 50 people. And you've. it sounds like you are in the process or have already removed yourself from the business, from the day-to-day operations. And you're kind of doing the higher level strategic stuff. And I mean, I'm sure that people listening to this are, are salivating at this. I mean, I think that that's kind of where entrepreneurs want to get to, want to build a business to. And you did it in five years. So... I know Traffic and Funnels is big on the marketing, the funnel building, the advertising, the launching. Talk to us about how can businesses more effectively market their services to achieve massive scale like you guys have seen? What are some of the big mistakes that they make? What are they not doing? Let's go down that road. Well, I have Taylor answer that question, but just so people know who are listening, at Traffic and Funnels specifically, our budget of time for the business a week is five hours. That is our constraint. We don't spend any more than five hours a week each in that business. One comment before we go down the marketing path. I think from my perspective, what I'm seeing, what's allowing you to do that, what's allowing you to step out and have that freedom is your ability to delegate the authority to someone who's very capable of doing that aspect of it. And then you trusting them to get the job done and not having that feeling that you need to control every little thing that's going on within the business. Yes, 100%. A lot of it comes down to just getting out of their freaking way. Getting out of your team's way. (laughs) Let them run and, you know, let them own the success 100% and also the failure 100%. That uh, makes sense. Let them own it. And then you don't have to. But my fault, I didn't want to steal Brandon's question. Brandon's question was, what are the top marketing things uh, that you see people doing? What are the mistakes that they're making? What should they be doing that they're not? Specifically around marketing, is that the the question? Well, just like, I don't know, you you go into a firm or a new business and you say, we're going to take you to a million dollars a month in revenue and it's going to take us five years. I'm assuming that marketing plays a massive role in that. So, I mean, talk to us about how you did it. Um, I mean, we spent a lot of time in the beginning just understanding clinically the people that we wanted to help. I think it's always a mistake to just assume that business is going to come to you. 
And that's funny how most people do that. They build their numbers off of these ideas that, you know, if they have a good service, then the world will knock their door down trying to buy from them. And we didn't have that. We were not entitled to any of it. And, you know, from the very beginning, the first couple of sales we made, Chris took all of that and he put it into advertising. We didn't pay ourselves off of it. We invested that right back into the machine. And because of that, we were able to grow really quickly. We were able to actually invest money into things that didn't produce a return. And we kept going. I think a lot of, another mistake is people will not get the results that they want, which is like 18 million X ROI. And they don't get that. So they stop. Marketing doesn't work. Advertising doesn't work. I remember several conversations at the very beginning, again, going back to the personality type of the founders and the partners, where I would just be like, dude, is this going to freaking work? It's silly now. Like looking back, it's embarrassing. But Chris was like, I am 100% confident that we can figure this out. That was his stance. That was his posture. And I got a lot of confidence from that. And it also fueled the business because you know, it didn't matter whether something worked or didn't work. We were going to do it again and figure it out and tweak and test and optimize. And people think that there's this holy grail of there's this manuscript somewhere hiding out in the world that they can find and it will explain the exact recipe. But everything's a test. Everything's an experiment. And if you can hang on to that narrative, then it will decrease the disappointment when one of your ads doesn't work and you'll just write a new one. It's not going to ruin you in business. Does that make sense? Guys, what's up? My name is Taylor Walsh and we specialize in helping experts, client-based businesses grow their revenue with predictability and control and systems and all of the unsexy stuff that nobody else really wants to talk about. But I will tell you this, in the past four years, we've had several thousand clients. Last month, in a 31-day period, our clients reported over $3.5 million in revenue that we helped them produce. So we have several hundred active clients at the moment. And what we've done is we've sat down and we have a team of advisors that help consult with our clients and they're our inner circle and we've made a bit of their time available to you. And the purpose of this call is to really brainstorm with you. What are your goals? Where do you want to get to? Where do you see yourself in your perfect future? What do you want to accomplish? How many clients do you want to have? What's your revenue look like? What are all the big goals that you might not even know are possible? And we'll spend 45 minutes to an hour with you brainstorming through that and creating a plan, an actual blueprint that can be implemented to achieve the things that you want to achieve. And people report that these are the most valuable uh, couple of minutes they've ever spent in their life working on their business. And every single one of our multi-seven or eight-figure clients, this was the first step. You don't have to be a client. There's no pressure involved in this, okay? This is literally the first step in acknowledging that You know, to get to point B and you're at point A, there might need to be some changes in the middle to actually get to that destination. We're going to isolate those and tell you what they are. Sign up for this, show up, grab a notebook or something to take notes with. And my one piece of advice for you is be willing to go deep and talk about the things that you actually want to achieve. And we'll help you build a strategy for that. Again, my name is Taylor. I hope to see you real soon on the inside. And please take advantage of these calls. Visit trafficandfunnels.com slash book a call. That's trafficandfunnels.com slash book a call. Yo, what's up, crew? Taylor Welch here. And if you're a fan of this show and you want to get a little bit deeper in your commitment to your business and your growth and your revenue, head over to trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you're going to get a free gift from us just to help you grow your business. And it's our way of saying thank you for joining the family. 
Our exclusive offers and deals usually show up to this subscriber community as well. So you'll get first dibs access on anything new, anything exciting. And most of the time, that means profitability for you. Visit trafficandfunnels.com slash subscribe. I'll see you on the inside, my friends. Yeah. And I'll add, I'll add to that. You know, in all these secrets we give away in our book, intelligentadvertiser.com, no, but I think that a mistake that people make is they don't dial into one person, one pain point. They try to go after every opportunity that comes in front of them. But really, when you understand that, it's very, very powerful because it's eliminating so many variables that can bring issues to your business. So if you have one market that has one pain, then you create one message that is going to bring them in. It's like they understand that you understand who they are what their issues are and that you can help them. Especially when we're talking about paid advertising, it's very, very important, right? The other thing that's really important is when you're focused on marketing, I think that people don't understand the time that we're living in where I can go out today and I can create an ad on Facebook or YouTube or Google display and get my message in front of my ideal prospect today, right now. Like this is still fairly new and people underestimate the power of reach that you have today. And so with that being in mind, you have to understand that marketing is investment. Like you are an investor, the stuff that Taylor was talking about when you're going out and you're testing different messages and stuff to try to figure out what your market's going to respond to, you know, how they're going to actually get into on your list or in your Facebook group or whatever, you are an investor to make that happen. And once you have that expectation, that changes the game because so many people, they're afraid to market the right way. And that's actually putting dollars into platforms like Facebook and email and, you know, all the things that are out there available right now. And when you take that away, I think it kind of just brings freedom. And whenever I have those conversations, well, I've had a lot of them with business owners who are very, very smart, but for whatever reason, just the thought of them putting money into a platform like Facebook to run ads or YouTube or Google or whatever, they're afraid because they just don't have that expectation of I'm going to invest $500 or $1,000 or $3,000 or $5,000 or whatever to get data to know what my market's going to respond to, right? And just the ability to build off that. So knowing the market, having one person they're speaking to, one pain that they're addressing, one offer to help with that person, and that their expectation is I'm going to invest to get knowledge, data, information, to be able to reach the person that's perfect for my business. So a lot to unpack there and really good stuff. Let's say that I, I have clearly defined who my client is or who my target prospect is. What is the next step? Should I start blogging? Should I start a podcast or should I start Facebook advertising? You said market the right way. You also said collect data to understand what your prospects will respond to. What do you uh, you know, because I, th- I think a lot of business owners look at Facebook ads and they go, I could invest $1,000 into that. And, and I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. I could invest $1,000 into that, but I have no idea what to expect in terms of a return. I also have no idea how to optimize for the return that I'm looking for. So how do you even like take that step to ensure that the ads are performing and that you're running people through the correct funnel or the right type of funnel? How, how do you even like take that step? I think to properly answer that, it depends on your skill set and your experience. If someone is, there may be a business owner, they're fairly new, but they don't have any skill in 
marketing or low skill in marketing and advertising. Our preference, and this is what we teach our clients, we have a very specific process that we walk them through, is for it to all be organic. So they can go out and they can play in Facebook groups and their personal profiles on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and start testing these different messages because the people are there, right? And then they can kind of figure out and they're not putting a bunch of money into the marketplace and they have no clue. So that's our preferred way to go. And obviously, that's what we help our clients with. And our clients have the community, all the other clients who are going through the same thing, the coaches, the team to get the sounding board and the wisdom, the insights to help figure out what do I do with these different variables? All right, like I'm putting these messages out there, either nobody's responding or I'm getting these responses. What do I need to adjust? And I think for anybody listening, that is the way you're going to move the fastest. It's having the right people in your corner, i.e. why we hired you guys to help us with our taxes. Smart people who know what the heck they're doing that can do it the right way and help us with all the crazy variables that we have. Right. So that's what I would say. I don't know if, if T would answer differently. I mean, yeah, I think, I think part of the reason that people are so confused is because of the malpractice involved in answering that question. Um, yep. You know, like if we're building a house right now, the first thing I did is I went and paid an architect. I'm not going to mess with that. I mean, the house will cr- could crumble that if I imagine me trying to build this thing out. Well, you could go out uh, and buy plans. Yeah. I could buy plans. Bucks. 100% on Pinterest. That's where that's where the magic happens. So it's, it sounds like one of the biggest mistakes people make, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of things not knowing their message, but they should really be looking at themselves and saying, what are my strengths? What are my strengths? What am I good at? Let me focus on that. And let me hire and delegate the marketing to somebody else, basically. Because, hey, you know, if you're an entrepreneur out there, you may not be the best marketer, right? You may be very focused on your your service. Like, so, so let's just say for accounts, for example, you might be very good at preparing a tax return, but you don't know how to market that service. So you should go and hire someone like yourself who's an expert in that service who can walk you through all of the mess of mar- that is marketing so that they can be successful in their marketing efforts. Yeah, yes, yes and no, but, but also, you know, where do you learn from? So, you know, making sure that you're learning from the right sources, that's really important as well. Yeah, it also depends on what people want. I think marketing and sales is, is one of the best skills that a business owner can develop and should develop. Because if you can do that, you'll never worry about money again, ever. You know, can't agree more with you on that one. Sales and marketing is definitely the way to make sure that you'll never go broke and that you'll always be valuable. But I guess to your point, it's, it's you have to know who to look to, who to look to for that advice. You know, you're not going to go to the real estate CPA for marketing and sales advice. You're going to go to traffic and Traveling funnels. funnels.com. The people who know what they're doing, the people who have built the sales funnels and the marketing funnels, and have already done there and been there and done that. Yeah. So with the specific challenges when it came to building this business, it sounds like you guys went from pretty much zero to 100 relatively quickly. Was there any challenges you faced along that path? Dude. So the first month we did 120, our first full-time, we said, okay, January 1, like we're going full-time, traveling the funnels, we're combining everything or letting clients go, whatever. And we did 127,000. Man, I remember the celebration dinner, I had my wife, like we were high, riding high. February, we, we were going into February, like nothing can stop us. And I think, what, we, what did we do, like 34 grand, 37 like grand? Yeah, it was bad. It's like, like right off the the edge and it was tough, man. I think, you know, at that point, Taylor was handling all the sales and I think your, your streak of no's was like 14. 
think it was higher than that. Probably 22, 2022. But people were there like, no. We These are like leads that. that you were you're trying to pitch services to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so this was back in 2015. We're like, this is 2016. Yeah, 2016. February 2016. Okay. And it's like, oh my God, was last month just like a, a fluke? So you talk about the self-doubt and the stuff that we had to overcome with that and just work through. And that's where the point where we actually had a coach and he was coaching Taylor on sales. And what did he tell you, Taylor, that really kind of sparked change? Because right after we talked to him, I think you had your first close. I mean, it was just like, he was like, the economy hasn't crashed. Like they didn't crash in the last week and a half. So, you know, really what's the issue here? What's the problem? And it's kind of a numbers game. So it wasn't anything magical. It was just what I needed in the moment. I'm reading this John Wooden book right now. And one of the first things he had people do when they came onto his team is he taught them how to tie their shoelaces. And most of the things are not going to be magic. Most of the things are going to be appropriate. The things that have the most impact for you are not magic. It's the appropriate little things and that's exactly what he did for me back in the day. No magic, no Gandalf the Gray, just like, hey, the economy hasn't crashed. It's like, bam, I was out of a rut. Yeah, so Taylor was, I would say, was able to borrow his confidence. Yes. Because going through 14, 17, 20, whatever, 22 calls of people saying no, your confidence is going to be shaky. And to have someone who's been through it, they've been where you want to go, to say, no, dude, you're good. Keep plugging away. And there was nothing really to tweak or fix. It was just borrowing that confidence that the, the economy hadn't crashed. People still have money. They still need these services. Keep rolling. And literally, like the next call, I remember, I'm pretty sure I was at the airport in the American lounge, and he closed the lady when we were traveling. So, man, for us, we've had so many ups and downs and challenges. And I, I'd say building the confidence was one of the biggest things that we had to deal with. Every new level, we faced a lack of confidence because it's something that we weren't familiar with. Whether it's sales or whether it's our ad account got disapproved in spring of 2017, we couldn't run advertising. Whether it's someone that wanted to sue us, whether it's an employee who stole our stuff, but that's the game. That's what we signed up for. And I think when you freaking understand that, it's like, let's go bring them on. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time and tell yourself something back in February, 2016, when you were freaking out because it wasn't turning out to be what you thought it was, what, what would you tell yourself? Probably in the season that I'm in now, just like, don't sweat it. How many years of life did I lose from really sweating and just being freaked out about the things that I shouldn't have been freaked out over. Everything is such a big deal as when you're young and you're growing and it's, then you look back in hindsight and it's like, man, that was a learning moment. It wasn't a tragedy. It was a learning moment. Now it's like, man, there are still opportunities. The volume of things that could freak you out actually grows the more prominent you become. People think it's opposite. I mean, when I get to this destination, when I get to this threshold, when I get to this, people even do it today. It's like, well, it must be easy for you to say, Taylor, Chris, like if I was where you were like, no, we have a thousand times more things to worry about than you do because you are nothing and you don't have anything to worry about and you make 40 grand a year and there's no taxes you even have to do on that. Look at us. Like everything breaks every other minute. What's changed is not the problems. What's changed is that our problems are put in their proper place. It's not going to steal from us. It's not going to steal our peace. 
It's not going to steal our joy. We're not going to let those problems rob us of being good leaders, good fathers, good husbands. You know, everything has a proper order. And at the beginning, I can say with some regret that it wasn't that way. I missed a lot of moments with my wife because I was worried about something that it was, it was Friday night. I couldn't do anything about. Like, there's nothing I can literally do, but I'm stressing about it. And I know Chris's same exact story, just being in this place of angst. That's what I would tell myself if we could go back is life will be better, richer, more fulfilling, and you'll probably make more money if you can reduce yep. your stress load over the things you can't control. Yeah. And I would say that this thing, it's, it's a journey and it's not a day. It's not just a month. It's not just a year. And I I think that's a big piece that people miss. Think, Oh my God, it has to be right now. Well, no, really the thing that you need is to just continue to march forward because consistent action is a thing that I'd say really beats out most people because they give up. They were to hit February. They're like, Oh my God, I need to go get a job. This was, it was a fluke. I need, you know what I mean? Like they would freak out. Their emotions would get the best of them. And the other thing I would say is congratulations. Because the thing that you have to understand is as a business owner and entrepreneur, your potential, the person that you can become is way bigger and higher than what you currently are. You're at a one out of a hundred. And so congratulations on the opportunity for you to go through this to maybe get to it too, to become a better person, because that's the requirement for you to get to that person. And that, I mean, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I've got four kids. Taylor's got one, right? You become a better husband, a better spouse, everything. And most people in the world, they don't have this opportunity to be in the freaking, you know, pressurized tank, expanded everything, just like pushing in on them, and so the person, the people that we are today is way better than those jokers back in 2016. And so we're able to handle abnormal levels. Like our salary is six figures a month to our team, right? Like, so, so many people, that would freak them out and they have just so much stress. And so it's been a requirement for us to become better people, to deal with those things in a healthy way. So you guys have a really good mindset and the growth you have experienced has been incredible. Was there ever a particular one challenge, one massive issue that as you're going through it, you were just thinking, wait, we're not coming back from this. We're toast. Uh, I, I do want to throw in the towel. Did that ever happen? I had a hard time actually 2018. I don't know if it was like, I'll never come back from this, but I became very, very, my, my personality is more indifferent. I think to probably most people. So I don't have, just have the swings. I don't get excited about a lot of things, but it was like at an, another level. I remember the end of summer, 2018, I didn't care about anything. I was so off that I went to see a doctor and through a lot of conversations with Taylor. I just come to, I got, I figured out because I don't, obviously my strength is not a self-awareness as well. <laughs> Like I'm terrible at that. And so having Taylor, I say like, dude, how do I feel? I don't know how you do that with this. <laughs> but I, I came to find out that I was just burnt out. I allowed things in the business. I, I allowed myself to get to a place of such unhealth that I was just burnt out. I didn't care if the business burned to the ground. I didn't care. I didn't care about our clients. I didn't care about anything. And um, I had to reconcile myself with what I allowed and what I tolerated 
to make the right changes and boundaries for myself and the business and stuff and to get to a place where I can operate at a healthy place. So I'd say that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind for me. What about you, Taylor? Anything you would add to that? Taylor, before we jump in there, I kind of want to dive into that burnout. What, What led to the burnout? I'd say not having proper boundaries was a big piece. So the Friday myself, night like, stressors. Like. Yeah, all that, man, with, with clients, allowing them just to have whatever access. We had tons of people that had access to our cell phones and they could call us whenever. I mean, we are fixing personal problems, like counseling people on their family issues. And we just took on so much, so much weight, so much burden. And we didn't know how to delegate and push off things that weren't right, that shouldn't have been our burden to carry. And for me, I got to a place where I kind of just got bitter within that and got to a place where I didn't like our clients. I didn't like what we were doing because I didn't have the proper boundaries set for myself and being focused on what I should do and what I shouldn't do. Honestly, I'd say that's a big thing that that led to burnout for me. How'd you solve it? Um, First, I recognized that I was burnt out, that it was my fault. It was nobody else's fault. 100% mine. The other thing that I lacked was vision. I didn't have any vision that really drove any, any kind of drove me through and pulled me through any kind of difficulty, which obviously is normal in business. And so recognizing that was me, that I was actually burnt out. I had to go back and and fix a lot of things um, in the business. And we actually ended up canceling a seven figure part of our business that we didn't love. And so identifying what you love in the business, what gives you energy in life and focusing on that versus what are the things that just take away from my life, getting rid of that stuff or giving it to someone else that actually is in their lane. And so those are some of the big things and just having vision about where we, we could go and getting excited about the business again and having a great mentor to help with that. Which was me. It was big. <laughs> yeah. I've been torn Yeah. So when Chris was going through his trials and tribulations, Taylor, what did you do to support Chris or what type of impact did this all have on you? Uh, I didn't do a very, I don't think I did a very good job on the support side. You know, it took us, I think that was probably our first real challenge to overcome together. But we had a lot of conversations about it. And I think it is different based on the person. Like this isn't a principle. There's not a principle that you're going to find here for how to deal with a business partner who's burned out outside of value them more than you value their contribution. If you can't get to that place and you don't deserve them as a partner mm. anyways, I see a lot of people who are just like frustrated with their business partner. And it's like, you're too transactional with this human being. And so therefore you're probably not going to be able to help them through anything. But yeah, I remember it was actually close to, I think it was around December 2018 when he finally came out of it. And then it was just like, you know, an almighty waterfall of energy with a hurricane mixed in it. And then I had to deal with the opposite because I was like, this dude's coming in, he's going to change everything in three days. And it's just, I think, a process of learning how to navigate through life with people. I was on a podcast interview a couple of days ago and uh, they were asking me to describe the relationship with Chris, business partner. I was like, dude, you know, what's different is we're actually friends in real life. Like I care about his kids. He's got a daughter that is getting old. And I'm like, dude, you're gonna have to help me through this. Cause Kate's like one year, like, can you just teach me how to navigate through this? And I care, you know, he cares about my kids and we're buying a new building, a new house and he's interested. 
he's genuinely interested and he's curious. And I think that's important for people to recognize is that the human element, I value him for more than just his contribution. And it's the same in, in reverse. And that's just a people principle. It's not a business principle. Most of the things that are going to propel you forward in life and business are actually probably personal, personal principles. So I don't know if that's the, the answer you're looking for, bro, but that's what comes to mind. This was a great answer. And I think that uh, you hit a great chord there. And that chord was that you have to keep the people element in it. It's not business isn't all just purely transactional. There's people involved, there's emotions involved, and it's important to keep that in mind. And if you're just going to be purely transactional all the time, you're probably not going to get too far. At some point, you're going to face extreme struggles that you might not be able to get through because you lack that empathy uh, that you need to have in business. Definitely. When people say it's just business, that's silly. Yeah. It's not. It's not just business. Suffice it to say, we've had very, very difficult conversations. Yes. Very difficult. I remember one, one of our first hard conversations in March 2016. I remember we were flying to Canada. You, you remember this? We got so pissed off at each other because we were on the same plane. I was going to buy the first class ticket. And then I ended up not buying it because we were talking about maybe it's just too much. And then you ended up buying it. I was like, what? Yeah. You remember that conversation? Yeah. It was just so silly looking back at it. But it's crazy how many people wouldn't be able to get beyond something like that. Yeah. Where, you know, again, it's an opportunity for you to let your ego go. And when you can get to a place where you can prefer other people, elevate other people above yourself. I think that's part of the secret of succeeding, not just in business, but in life. When you're able to be open-handed and you're so healthy as an individual and a person that you, I don't need like him just to give me all these things, but it's more about how can I give? And I think that's where you start to find success in every area, especially a partnership when you're like freaking locked in. It's like a marriage, you know, but whether it's dealing with employees, people in your team, it's all about how can I give, how can I propel, how can I lift this person up? And that's kind of become a principle, I'd say, for us in business, but also in life. Yeah. And it feels really good. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you get past that first class flight conversation? It sounds like it's just more of a, a journey. You said that a lot of people can't even get past that. So how do you continue down that journey of becoming that better person of really caring about the other person. If you've got this, I can't believe that you picked up a first class flight. It's something that seems so inconsequential now, but at the time was a big deal. And how do you move past something like that? We fight through it. I mean, we disagree the the all the time, all the time, but anytime we do get into it, one of us will say something to the effect of like, man, I've, got your back, like whatever. We've never doubted that the other person ultimately has the best interest of the opposite party. You know, that, I mean, anytime that I do doubt that I'm going to tell him that I'm doubting it and he'll fix it. So when he says it's like a marriage, it kind of is like a marriage. Like you got to talk through things. You have to disagree and you can't be, uh, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves, one of my biggest pet peeves is when we'll be in the heat of something, some discussion. And then Chris has some like something he has to go to. He's like, ah, oh, I got to call you back. And then he'll go off and get on this call. This has happened like a month ago. And I thought he was just getting off the phone call. And so I'm like frustrated because I'm like, he doesn't want to deal with it. But he, he actually had an appointment this one time. He actually had an appointment. Um, <laughs> but 
pay attention because you have to be aware not only of, you have to be aware of your own emotions and when your own emotions are trying to deceive you, trying to trap you. And I'm aware of that moving forward. One of the first things that we got into an argument with at the very beginning was like, I felt like I was doing all the work because he still had clients. You got to be aware of those little seeds that are planted somewhere in your heart. And then it's like, it can grow and it can deceive you. And then all of a sudden it's like this little root from something a long time ago is now casting shade on, you see what I'm saying? Like people that's allowed to grow because you don't discuss it. You don't bring it into the light. You don't actually deal with it. And we're very good. If we're not good at anything else, we're very good at forcing each other to converse through disagreements and we'll talk through it. And he may disagree and I may disagree, but ultimately a disagreement doesn't mean we don't have each other's back. And if you ever get confused on that, you're likely not a healthy person. You need to deal with that. And I say a lot of people think that disagreements are unhealthy, but actually I think disagreements are very healthy. And especially with things going on in the world right now, if people could disagree more in a healthy way, wow. Because the thing that you have to understand is you lack perspective. I lack perspective. So I've got this golf ball in my hands. This is what I use sometimes to coach our teams. Like I can't see this side of what you see. I can only see this side, right? But the truth is you can see this side. You have a perspective that I do not have. That's valuable. There's a lot of books that I've read recently on management and uh, you know dealing with people. And one of them is candor and having the ability, like you guys are talking about, to be able to bring these disagreements to the forefront, being able to discuss them openly, and be able to come out the other side, you know, better for it. Thanks for listening. For more from Chris and Taylor, visit trafficandfunnels.com and get a free gift just for being a subscriber. That's trafficandfunnels.com.